from you, all right? Exodus chapter 1, we're in the book of Exodus, and um, as, we, as we get into it, I will catch you up to where we're at, and in case you weren't with us through our study in Genesis, but let's move into Exodus. Exodus chapter 1, what you're going to see here in the first, uh, in the first chapter, three main divisions. Fa the family of Jacob multiplies. We will see a fearful Pharaoh, and then we will see fighting over the Hebrew sons. Let's get into our first section, uh, beginning at verse 1, which is the family of Jacob multiplies. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man and his household came with Jacob. You'll see that they, they came, the children of Israel, they came with Jacob. What? Is, in case you don't know, okay, Israel and Jacob are two names for the same man. His original name was Jacob. And in his journey with God and uh, being, being uh, changed by God, God changed his name. But as you go through the account, you'll find that sometimes you're going to see his name as Israel, sometimes Jacob. Here we see both. In verse 1, the children of Israel uh, are the children of Jacob. Okay, Talking about the same family. Here they are. Here are his sons. Here are Israel or Jacob's sons in verses 2 through 5. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, or we always say Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. So those were all of the sons. And we're told that all of the sons and their families came with them. Okay, All those in verse 5, all those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was in Egypt already. So some accounts say that there were 75 that came. What, what the, the author is saying here is that, hey, there were 70 because Joseph had family in Egypt already. Okay? Joseph uh, and, and, and the rest of his family. So, so, so there, there's a little bit of discrepancy. Well, was it 70? Was it 75? Whatever. It's a bunch of them. They all came. The, the whole family came. Okay? Verse 6. We're told this. This is going to sound odd until I explain. And Joseph died. All his brothers and all that generation. Joseph died. So we've got we've got Israel and Jacob. Oh wait, they're the same people. Then we've got the brothers. Uh, then there were 70 or there were 75, not really sure. And now we're told that Joseph died. What's the significance of that? Why point that out? That that Joseph died. All his brothers and all that generation. Uh, I, I will explain that when we get down to verse 8. But look at verse 7. This is where we see fruitfulness. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied, and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. I want you to note the language there. This won't mean a whole lot right now. It, it will. It'll, it'll come into play. Uh, but um, we'll start to see, get an idea of numbers as we get further into the book. But look at this. The children of Israel were fruitful, meaning God had blessed them with lots of kids and increased abundantly. Again, lots of kids. Different ways of describing that they had large families. Multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. Okay, So as they're growing, they're becoming this force. And the land was filled with them. Okay, The land was filled with them. Now, at verse 8, 
is where we get into our second section. And look what it says here in verse 8. Now there arose a new king over uh, uh, Egypt who did not know Joseph. Now I mentioned to you that there was, it was mentioned there that Joseph had died. And you're wondering, well, what's the significance? Why, why point that out? Well, here in verse 8, we find out that this new king of Egypt, this new pharaoh, has risen. He's, he's come into power. And it says that he did not know Joseph. He did not know Joseph. What that is indicating to us, and we're seeing a transition here from the book of Genesis into the book of Exodus. I think that many of us know that in Exodus, we see the children of Israel are slaves in Egypt, and we wonder, how did they get there? Well, they got there through this man, this Pharaoh, who did not know Joseph. Joseph had been, while he was in Egypt, had been loved by the Egyptians. Joseph had come into Egypt as a slave, as a prisoner, as a slave. But uh, through circumstances, God working in those circumstances, uh, Joseph had actually risen to be uh, second in command in Egypt. And the Egyptians, Egyptians loved him. He did a wonderful job. He really, really blessed Egypt, and they loved him. But now it's multiple years later, and this pharaoh doesn't know who Joseph is. In other words, it's been long enough that Joseph has passed on, and, and this pharaoh uh, does not care, does not know, um, is not mindful of the legacy that Joseph left. Sad to say, okay? Uh, maybe it's because he didn't learn his history lesson, or maybe it's because he had his eyes on other things. We'll see that here. Look at this in, in verse 9. And he said to his people, this is Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his people, after, after Joseph had died, and Pharaoh said to his people, look, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happened in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us and so go up out of the land. So I want you to see what's going on here in the mind of Pharaoh he is, uh, he's forgotten Joseph. Now again, perhaps it's because it, the, the, the story of Joseph wasn't passed on properly, but they kept very good records, and so I doubt that. I think it, mean, I think it, it, it has more to do with, with what he was currently seeing. You see, the Jews had not been a problem for the Egyptians. They had not caused uh, any kind of trouble or been any kind of threat to the Egyptians. However, this man, Pharaoh, one man, Pharaoh, gets it into his mind that the Hebrews are growing, uh, multiplying, and, and growing so strong. He actually says there that if there is a war, there, he's afraid that the Hebrews may turn on them and then leave the land, leave the country, leave Egypt. And we go, what? Where in the world did he pull this out of? Like, how did he come to this conclusion? It is fear. It is fear in the heart of Pharaoh. With all of his might and all of his uh, power and the authority that he has, all of the resources that he has uh, at his disposal, he finds himself fearful over 
the Hebrews, uh, this, this peaceful group of people. But I, I want you to understand and be aware that this is what fear does. When fear enters the heart, we have a choice. We have a choice to take that to God or to take ownership of it. And what we're seeing in Pharaoh's life is a man, a person. We're seeing what happens when someone takes ownership of the fear rather, rather than surrendering that fear to God. You and I may be in danger of doing the same thing at times. We may struggle with fear. I mean, think about this. We're, we're talking about Exodus, and, and what Exodus is, it is the story of loving leadership. Through Moses, sure, but even more so from God. It is the story of patient leadership. Uh, 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 the patient leadership of impatient people. It is the story of, of a loving uh, a shepherd um, who is leading his stubborn, fearful, obstinate sheep. What we're seeing here in the life of Pharaoh early on is the picture of a man who has allowed fear to take over his heart. And, and what happens then, you can see here, is irrational fear. And what I was getting at a moment ago is this, that some of us may be struggling with fear right now. What a time uh, to be looking at the book of Exodus uh, as we, we consider enslavement and, and oppression and, and fear and uncertainty. I mean, look at the time that we're living in, you and I. We are, are living in a time when we're just right on the heels of this virus that, that many are steer, still fearful over. Businesses shut down, opening very slowly. Our, our churches are being allowed to open very, very slowly. And right on the heels of that comes what? Protest over the killing of a man. Uh, we're seeing riots. We're seeing cities uh, burned, businesses attacked, people attacked. And uh, we're seeing that all throughout our news, on our social media, everyone that we talk to or, 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 or conversing with, whether, whether it's out or, uh, uh, or in our houses, on social media, wherever we're at, on the news, everywhere we're, we're being just hit by this barrage of, of craziness, madness, bad news from every angle. And... Um, Things that, if we allow them to take root, are going to cause problems. And it may be that you're fearful over these things. Fearful over the virus. Fearful over going out and being caught in the middle of one of these protests, these riots. And all of the uncertainty. And, and the question is this. The question is, what are we doing with that fear? Now, we cannot stop fear from coming in, but what do we do with it once, once it's there? And what you and I must do is choose not to hold on to it. This man, Pharaoh, is holding on to it. And what the, what the fear does is the fear gets into his heart. It takes root. He does not uh, uh, um, um, separate himself from it. He does not have a relationship with God. Therefore, he cannot surrender it to God. He's not even thinking that. So he holds on to that fear. But when the fear takes root... When we allow that fear to take root, it causes us to think irrationally 
I mean, come on, let's, let's think about that. In the past, when we've, when we've held on to fear, what can it do? How damaging can it be? It takes root and it causes us to, to consider and to think all sorts of irrational thoughts. This man... This is, there's no indication that 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 they are are that there's a war going on, and yet he says he's so afraid that he says, "Listen, they're 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 growing." So he's saying to his people, "They're growing so there so many of them, and if a war happens, well, they've not they've not given the Egyptians any reason to think that 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 they're going to side with someone else. They've enjoyed their time in Egypt. They've they've prospered there." They're, they're, they're not a threat to the Egyptians. And yet through this one man, through his fear, uh, uh, he, he allows that to take, to take root again, and, and it causes this irrational thinking. I mean, we can remember in our recent American history, a man, Hitler, who allowed his fear of the Jews to cause a, 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 a tremendous... Um, Hardships and, and uh, what was the word I was looking for was um, uh, atrocities, uh, and, and, and how he um, how he uh, 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 allowed his fear to cause him to lead him to attack the Jews and and so many others, killing millions. It can happen. Uh, it has happened. Uh, we've got to be careful, you and I, that that we are keeping a firm grip on that on that fear or we're having control of the fear is, is a better uh, term we've got to control the fear rather than allowing the fear to control us here's what happens he is is oh i forgot to put it up here fearful feral i get all crazy and start teaching preaching it like a sweaty baptist and i forget uh there's an accusation his fear leads to accusation it's unfounded Okay? Accusation. But his, uh, his accusation leads to affliction. Beginning in verse 11. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh's supply cities, Pithom and Ramses. So what we just read in verse 11 is that the Hebrews just went from being free to bring, being enslaved. The Egyptians, Pharaoh and the Egyptians, set taskmasters over them. In other words, people to suppress them, to oppress them. They afflicted them with their burdens. In other words, they pressed them, forced them into labor. And it says that they built, they begin to build cities for Pharaoh. Begin to uh, build uh, supply cities uh, for Pharaoh. But the, so it wasn't aliens from outer space, okay? Those of you that are, you know, thinking that aliens came down and built pyramids or whatever, that did not happen. Verse 12, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. So here we see the hand of God that the more, the, the harder life got for them, the more, the bigger their families got, the more they multiplied, Okay? And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar, in brick, and in all manner of service in the field. All their service in which they made them serve was with rigor. So they made their lives bitter and hard with forced labor. However, it's like, it's like throwing a rock into a pond or into the water. 
as as the Egyptians throw the rock and and as it as it hits, was it what it does is it causes these these ripples. It causes more activity, and and the more that they oppressed the Hebrews, the more they grew, the more they multiplied. The accusation, the the, the fear is allowed to take root turns into accusation, which turns into affliction. Let's move into our third and final section, which is fighting over the Hebrew sons. Fighting over the Hebrew sons. In verse 15, we read this. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. I'll explain what those are. Of whom the name of one was Shipna, I'm sorry, Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then he shall live. I want you to pay attention to what's going on here. This is incredible. This man, Pharaoh, being filled and, and gripped and overcome by fear, He, he allows that fear to take root so that he accuses the Hebrews of something that they were not guilty of. Then the accusation, the accusing, turns to affliction. He begins to afflict them, to enslave them, and to, to uh, make their lives bitter. And now what he's doing is he's just in verses 15 and 16, he's directing the Hebrew midwives to kill newborn babies. Do you understand? Uh, there are many of us uh, that have, we, we know the story, we've heard the story, we've seen the animated uh, uh, movie. And um, this, this becomes, uh, we become um, uh, somewhat you know, numb to this. Well, you know, it's just whatever. I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. This man, Pharaoh, his fear overtakes him. And it leads him down this dark path to the point that he is now asking women to murder newborn babies. Now, who were these women? The midwives, Shipra and Pua. Uh, midwives were women that would um, uh, help with the birthing process. So when a woman was about to give birth, they would call for the midwife. The midwife would come and help her and coach her and assist her through that process. These are Hebrew midwives. They're Hebrew women. And Pharaoh actually calls them and says to them, he says, listen, this is what I want you to do. When, when, when you go to help a woman give birth, if it is a male uh, child, I want you to take that child and kill it. Uh, his fear leads him to this dark and to this devious plan. To the point where he's not even ashamed of it, he's now telling other people, this is what I want done, I want you to kill these babies, kill these children, these brand new babies. Can you imagine anyone... Taking a brand new baby from the womb, watching the birth, taking that baby out, seeing, oh, it's a male child. Here, take this thing and kill it. Um, and, and yet we find that it is 
fear that led them to this point. It is the same thing for us today in our society. It is fear that causes our society to kill babies. It might be fears of, I can't afford this baby. Or fears of, I'm too young to be a, a parent. Far too often it's fears of... Um, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, uh, inconvenience. Well, I, I don't want this baby. This baby's going to be inconvenient for me. You know, I've got things that I want to do. I want to finish school, or I want to get a different job, or I want to travel. And, and, and if I have this baby, man, it's just it's going to be so inconvenient. I don't want to have a baby. And, it, and it's fear that leads us to harm these these harmless babies in this way and it is it is it is demonic it is sad and it is demonic and yet we find that we have become like pharaoh afraid of these babies and and it and it uh, what we do is our society has uh, uh, allowed fear to grip us so that we make these accusations, oh, this baby is going to be inconvenient or too expensive or whatever it is. And that leads to the affliction. It leads, it leads to, to irrational thinking. It causes us to not value human life the way, that, the way that Pharaoh did, the way that Hitler did, the way that so many others have, the way that so many others still do. They do not value human life life it, it it all begins with fear believe it or not and and if i don't get a hold of that fear and as a christian submit that surrender that to god i find myself thinking irrational thoughts and doing irrational things and so i must be careful to take that fear to god here he directs the hebrew midwives to kill the babies uh, beginning in verse 17, what we see is these Hebrew midwives. I'm sorry, give me just a second. Having a little bit of trouble. There it is. All right. A little bit of trouble with it this morning. What we see is them disobeying orders. Good for them. Let's look at it. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? Now I want you to see what's going on here. They uh, uh, take part in this disobedience to the authority, Pharaoh. These two Hebrew women define Pharaoh and, and, and the Egyptians, the nation of, of, of Egypt, the land of Egypt. They not only disobey, but I want you to see here in verse 19, when, when Pharaoh in verse 18 asks them and questions them about it, verse 19, and the midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. So they just said, they told Pharaoh, well, you know, it's, it's, it's not that we're saving the, the male children. It's just that the Hebrew women... They're lively. 
they're healthy. And what they do is, man, they just they just spit those babies out real quick before we can ever get there, and boom, they're gone when the, with with the male children. We, we we can't even get there on time. Now, in case you're wondering, wait a minute, is that true? No, it's not true. They're lying. They disobeyed Pharaoh and deceived Pharaoh. I, I I didn't put that up there, sorry, but that goes in there with disobeying the orders. They, they disobeyed Pharaoh, and they deceived him when he came to question them. Now look what happens here. Verse 20, therefore, okay, so therefore, and it says, what that means is because of that. Therefore, God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew mighty. These people do not stop growing more and more babies, okay? And so it was, because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. Now, what, what just happened? The midwives uh, disobeyed uh, the government, disobeyed the, the ruling authority, and then lied about it. And what happened was that God actually blessed them for doing that. Now, some of you are like, hip, hip, hooray, hallelujah. That means it's okay to lie. No, it is not okay to lie. And I want you to understand that God did not bless them because they lied. You go, what? I thought that's what you just said. That's what we just read. Look at verse 21. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. God does not approve of did they lie? Yes, they did. But you see, God saw, the in the bigger picture, God saw beyond that, and he provided and blessed these women. He prospered them because they feared him more than they feared Pharaoh. And that is where you and I always want to find ourselves. We want to do our best to obey the authority that's over us. But we must always consider God. And, and what does God have to say concerning the matter? And what I want to do is I always want to find myself falling in the category of being obedient to God before I am obedient to man. Now, oftentimes, most of the time, God is using the human authority to, to direct us, to guide us, to, to give us some, some sense of, 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 uh, of guidelines. But there are those times when it is time to disobey. And, and this certainly was one of those times here. Because it was more important to save the children than it was to, to, uh, uh, to obey Pharaoh. Now, as we finish in verse 22, what we see is Pharaoh demanding, <clears throat> excuse me, demanding death. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, now look what he did. He realizes these Hebrew women are, are unfaithful. So what he does is he calls on all of his people, the Egyptians, and here's what he tells them in verse 22. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. I, I, again, I want you to stop for a moment. We've heard the story for years. Many of you have grown up with it, perhaps. 
I want you to consider what's being said here. Pharaoh, because of his fear, asked these two Hebrew women to kill brand new babies, newborn babies. They would not do it. So in his madness, and this is what fear does, is it creates madness in my mind so that I, think, I can't think clearly. There's no clarity going on. He actually turns to his people and says to all of the Egyptians that if you find a male child born to the Hebrews, one of the Hebrews, take it and cast it into the river. In other words, if you hear about a, 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 a Hebrew family having a male child, you are to go and take that baby and drown it in the river, throw it in the river so that it can drown there. When you talk about wicked, man, that is, that is, that is the epitome of wickedness. This is a, a grown man, the, a leader of the nation, a, a leader of the Egyptians, who was afraid of, of babies and he is willing to take their lives and to enlist others in the taking of those lives what a, a sad and scary uh, situation and episode this is and, and it is a, a, um, it is an indictment for us that are living right now in our modern and our current time uh, to know that the killing of babies is still taking place. Uh, and oftentimes it is, it is uh, uh, um, um, supported by the government. And what a terrible thing that is. God values human life. We need to understand that. But, but here's, I want you to understand this also as we close. I want you to understand the danger of allowing fear to take root in our hearts. What it does is it causes us to think irrationally when it's left alone, when it's left to fester and grow in our hearts. And, and we may find ourselves doing things that we never thought possible. We may even find ourselves not valuing human life, willing to put other people's lives in danger uh, 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 because we are so afraid. And so you and I must be careful. Now listen, as we finish, let me say this. You go, you go. well, what if I am afraid? What do I do? Well, here, here's the thing. First of all, once, once fear comes into your mind or into your heart, you've got a choice. What am I going to do with that fear? Oftentimes, most often, I would say that we probably hold on to it and we nurse it and we begin to think craziness. What you and I must do with that fear is we must immediately, once we recognize it, we must immediately surrender it to God. We must give it to him through prayer and say, God, it's yours. I am afraid. This is what I'm seeing going on around me, the circumstances, and I need for you to help. I need your rescue. So please take this fear from me. But there's something else practically that we can do that helps. At least it's a huge help to me. It is, you, you heard it, I mean, it's, it's you, every, you're going to hear it from your parents, you're going to hear it from your, your youth leaders, whoever it is. There's some practical things that you can do, like get your mind wrapped or, or, or into the Word. On your own, open up your Bible, begin to read. Or pull up a Bible study online and begin to listen to a Bible study. 
one of my other things, the, the other things that I love to do, one of my favorite things because I love music so much, is music can influence my mind. I like to get my mind washed out and, and, and filled with some good, solid Christian, some, some worship music that's going to get my mind focused back on God, on who God is. I don't want to allow that fear to just take root. And, and take me down a, a, a dark place, a dark direction that I don't need to be going in. We have a choice, you and I. We're living in a time when we can very easily choose fear. You turn on the news, you, you're looking at your Twitter feed, or you're, you're, you're watching videos on YouTube, and you're seeing the riots that are taking place in Minneapolis and uh, D.C. and in Los Angeles. You're seeing it. And you're hearing about that, you're hearing about the virus, you're hearing about all of the craziness. You're seeing images of people with, with no restraint. And the fear can very easily take over. You and I must grab a hold of that fear. And we must surrender it to God. And allow Him to, to comfort us and to give us clarity. That's what he can do for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning and uh, for your word. And, and as we consider what we've just heard and as we, as we consider all that's going on around us, the uncertainty, we are once again reminded that you are certain. You are for sure. You are consistent. You are our care. You are our comfort. And, and we're so thankful for that this morning. But help us, help us to hold on to that. And to not, to not trade that in, that certainty, for uncertainty. Uh, we don't want to let go of, 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 of you and who you are and your care and your concern over us. Your watchful eye, always watching. So may today be a, a turning point for many of us. May it be a day where we're encouraged and strengthened, where we are, uh, uh, once again, our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our hearts are all turned toward, toward you and finding our hope in you. Thank you so much, Father. Thank you that we know the end of the story. Not just the end of the story of Exodus, but the end of the story. We know that we're on the winning team, the winning side. Help us uh, to stay there, Father. Thank you so much. We pray these things in Jesus' name, and amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us today, this afternoon. May your day be blessed. We love you. Bye.